Welcome to another video of my in-depth analysis of a module that I have to admit had not received as much fame as it should have. I am the RPG lore master and this is The Paladin in Hell. The adventure was published back in 1998 and it was written by Monte Cook. The inspiration for the adventure was given by an illustration that it was found within the player's handbook that it was published in 1978. The adventure was created for a group of 46 players between levels 15 to 20. And trust me, the more players you have at the upper echelon of levels, the most probable will be for them to finish this adventure that I consider to be one of the deadliest and darkest that one can find. For this video, I will try a different format I used for the Sunless Citadel or the Standing Stones videos. I will approach it more of a group agnostic kind of a way. After all, I had so many groups that were tortured in this place that it would be not fair to pick just one. Since this is a new channel, I would appreciate your input into this. Do you prefer the walkthroughs to be from a specific group point of view or just me illustrating the important lore and generally the flow of the adventure as I will do in this one? Leave a comment below and I will adjust accordingly in my future videos. With no further ado, this is the Paladin in Hell. The setup of the story is really interesting. The players are invited to attend the funeral of Clisandral, a legendary paladin they knew. When arrived at the temple, they saw it was missing. They found out that powerful evil magic has teleported the temple along with Clisandral's soul and body to the deepest layers of the hell. They were given a demon ship by a legendary wizard that was the co-adventurer of Clisandral and they could traverse the river Styx, bringing them between the fifth and sixth layer of hell where the temple was thrown. Finding their way into the citadel of Coldsteel, an unholy temple created by Archdevil Jerrion, they are moving on finding finally the lost temple of Nihiad, with the paladin fighting myriad of waves of devils, standing on his side, hopefully, they will inflict enough damage to the unholy armies, and they will eventually break the spell, and the temple will be resummoned to the prime material plane. Before I get into the actual adventure, given my name and all, I should get into the history of Hell. Think of this as an introduction of the recent history of Hell. And the dim past, the names of the rulers of each of Hell's layers found their way into the books and scrolls of learned men. Those who studied such forbidden lore knew that a being named Asmodeus dwelt in the deepest pit of hell and ruled over the other lords. They also knew that the lords of hell, being diabolical and selfish creatures, warred among themselves. Normally, these were wars of unspoken threats and subtle machinations, rather than classing armies. But devils are not reluctant to spill blood when there is something to be gained. Eventually, two camps arose, built around the most powerful of the Dukes of Hell. A devil named Belzevul led one faction and Mephistopheles the other. Asmodeus apparently stood alone. The standoff was too precarious to last. War erupted between the forces of Mephistopheles with his allies Mammon and Dispater and Belzevul backed by his viceroy Moloch and Abitor Belial. The arts Devil Jerion gave his support to Mephistopheles but altered everything when he revealed his ultimate loyalty to Asmodeus. 
During the final titanic battle of that war, Jerion's signal, the pitfin generals of both armies turned on their masters, and the arch devils were defeated, not by each other, but by their own forces who fought for and were supported by the still supreme Asmodeus. To consolidate his power, Asmodeus elevated the generals of the armies to be the new rulers of all devils. These eight pitfins became the Dark Eight. Meanwhile, for reasons of his own, the Lord of Hell's Nine Layer sought out the fallen and outcast archdevils. He was not yet through with them. As Overlord of Hell and the only clear victor in the conflict, the Lord of Nessus began making deals with the archdevils to support their reinstatement as rulers of their respective layers. In this way, Asmodeus received the political power of the archdevils, so it was more to his liking. To be sure, neither Beelzebul nor Mephistopheles gave up their desires to overthrow Asmodeus as ruler of all hell. But Asmodeus believes, probably correctly, that his position is more secure if his rivals are busy ruling one of his fifths than if they are free to devote all their time to scheming against him. Some archdevils took the opportunity presented by Asmodeus reprieve to fade deeper into the shadows of hell assuming more mysterious guises or different appearances. Many began calling themselves by their lesser-used names. Belial even placed his daughter in power over the fourth hell, where they ruled together. The one exception to Asmodeus's clemency was Moloch, the former ruler of Hell's Sixth Slayer, who was cast down and replaced by a female devil named Malagard. The design behind this is not clear. For reasons no mortal observer understood, Asmodeus made no deal with the one archdevil that showed loyalty to him, Jerion, the deposed duke, sometimes referred to as the Forgotten Lord, was ignored entirely and faded into ambiguity in Stygia, the lair he once ruled. Prince Levistus and his honored archdevil, who was laying frozen in Stygia's eyes for millennia, was awakened, although not released from the eyes, and given dominion over the lair. As a final insult, Mammon, under the new identity of Mineros, even adopted a serpentine shape that resembled the forgotten Gerion. Recent events make it clear, however, that Asmodeus' ability to plan ahead truly knows no limit. For now, many, many years later, Gerion's status as a brooding, jealous devil desiring nothing but his former position serves the Dark Lord of the Ninth Plans perfectly. A short while ago, Asmodeus called Gerion to Malshim, Asmodeus's vast fortress in Nessus. There, Asmodeus offered to support Gerion's attempt to retake control of Hell's frigid fifth layer. It is speculated that Asmodeus was concerned that Levistus had designs against another layer. Helping Gerion to depose Levistus would then serve both their interests. That Asmodeus foresaw this threat centuries ago and allowed it to run its course so long as Levistus was useful while simultaneously setting up the machinery to oppose Levistus is yet another testament to his unknowable fintis cunning. The only thing the deposed duke had to do in exchange for Asmodeus's backing was invade and take control of a temple that would shortly appear between the fifth and sixth layer of hell, the Temple of Nehead. Gerion agreed, as Asmodeus knew he would. Asmodeus drummed his claws on the arms of his throne and laughed. 
a sound that makes the multiverse cringe. As always, his schemes were coming to fruition exactly as he designed them. Now that you have a good understanding of the status of Hell, let's move on with the actual backstory of the adventure. The real story of the temple being thrown into the deepest level of Hell and the paladin protecting it is of course deeper than it seems. Asmodeus, the lord of the ninth layer, lost an artifact that it was called Valis Crystal. With it, the archdevil placed an entire prime material world hoping to corrupt the inhabitants who lived there into worship him as a god. The crystal though was stolen by a group of powerful adventurers. The Lord of Nessus had far more important things than holding a grudge and chasing the mere mortals that took it, so he simply put it to rest and always had it in his mind. The right time, of course, would come up. Even though most of the names of the daring adventurers that managed to steal from the devil his precious little artifact, a couple of names were remembered by many. Clisandral the Paladin and Amiracle the Wizard. Those adventurers gave the crystal to the Temple of Neheod for safekeeping while they were continuing their adventures. Decades later, Clisandral became the hero of many lands and a miracle disappeared after a titanic wizard's duel. Still, Asmodeus lasted for his crystal, so he decided the right time for him to act was here. The sword-lived mortals had almost forgotten about it. So he called his faithful servant among humans, the sorcerer priestess called Leviath, and tasked her to steal the crystal from the temple. Leviath in her turn seduced the priest of the temple named Oriad, and whenever she tried to steal the artifact, she was stopped. Tired of excuses, Asmodeus gave Leviath a scroll containing a powerful spell called Bonds of Hell that with it she could send the entire temple to the Nine Hells, allowing Asmodeus' servants to gain the item and of course condemning everyone in it to internal damnation. Leviath though had her own agenda, she hated Clisandro with all her heart, so when she learned he died days ago and asked not to be brought back to life so that he could have the well-deserved reward in paradise, she waited until the funeral took place in the temple, and she casted the spell with the paladin as her center, denying his soul to find its final rest. Well, that is a hell of a story, literally. This was the first part of the Paladin in Hell. Thank you for watching, and remember, if you liked the video, don't forget to subscribe, like it, and comment. Stay tuned for part two of the actual descent into the darkness.